This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Today I speak with Mara Silvers of Montana Free Press. Mara and her colleagues have teamed up with Montana Public Radio and Yellowstone Public Radio to produce a second season of The Amazing Shared State, a podcast about the strange political moment we're living through. There are stories in Montana's history and in Montana's present that transcend this level of uh, partisanship and being shut off from one another. There are stories that just challenge that. And let's go find them. Season one went deep on the meaning of Montana values in the lead up to the 2020 election. Season two, which just released, explores some of Montana's messiest political quagmires and the people trying to find their way through. Mara, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Uh, I grew up in Helena, Montana. And I, I think I'm used to saying Helena, Montana is like a full location oh, gotta, since I lived out of state, state there for as so well. long. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I grew up in Helena, and my parents are mental health professionals. Okay. Um, so my mom's a licensed clinical social worker. My dad was a licensed clinical uh, therapist for a long time. Uh, now he's a school counselor. So maybe a different kind of stress, I guess, yes. <laughs> from from the work you used to do. But uh, yeah, and my sister's actually a school counselor as well. So everybody's wow. kind of a, a social worker or a mental health professional. Yeah. yeah. So, so you escaped that, um, you know, family trend in employment. Tell us about your path <laughs> into journalism. I wanted to go into journalism when from a pretty young age. Like when I was in high school, I remember telling people that I wanted to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. And that was at a time when the newspaper industry especially was going through such a, a low point that people kind of gave me this, you know, weirded out look of like, why would you want to go into such an unstable industry? But but I always just kind of wanted to be able to be curious for a living <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and get to talk to people about whatever they're interested in and the lives that they're leading. But then I, you know, I kind of went a different path. When I got into college, I was like looking more into nonprofit work and eventually circled back around to storytelling. It just felt like the right calling for me and I think a great opportunity to be uh, creative and um, communicate through written and spoken words but still be really tied into real urgent, you know, real life issues as they were coming up for different people. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I did some campus uh, publications when I was in college and then uh, eventually got really hooked on podcasts, as as I'm sure so many people have. Uh, And I came back to work for Montana Public Radio as an intern in the summer of 2016. And that was my first real experience doing radio. And I was obsessed. Um, It just felt like the coolest medium to work with words like that. So after that, I just kind of stuck with radio for a while. Mm -hmm. I went to New York City and then with WNYC and a brief stint at Slate. Tell us about those experiences. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, it feels like it was the longest and shortest chunk of my life, both (laughs) at the same time. It happened so fast, but they were really rich, uh, transformative years for me. So, yeah, I went out to New York to work as an intern on The Takeaway, a a national news show. Uh And pretty soon after that, you know, WNYC is this amazing organization because there's so many shops that are 
under one roof. Right. So there's always like different shows that are looking for producers or looking for part-time, you know, workers for different projects that are coming up. So it's just an amazing creative environment to be in and definitely was around 2017. So the takeaway is right next door to the WNYC newsroom, which is like the local NPR station for the New York City metro area. I didn't know anything about New York City politics or New York State politics, but I uh, was really curious about becoming a better producer at the time. And so they were looking for somebody who could be a a stand-in uh, producer on their All Things Considered program. So I did that on a freelance basis for a couple of months and then eventually just kept kind of like worming my way into the door, <laughs> I think. Sure. Like first a, first a toe and then a foot and then an elbow. And um, after a while, they, they hired me full time. And uh, I got to be a producer on the evening news for about two years and then rotate through being a general assignment reporter every once in a while. So sometimes I'd be on my way into work and my editor would call me and say, I need you to go down to, you know, the Southern District of New York's headquarters because the attorney general is giving a press conference on something. And I'd suddenly be in a world of, you know, a white collar criminal investigation Uh that that uh, uh, prosecutors were getting ready to unveil. So it's just a huge, a hugely diverse learning experience, both from a political angle and from a technical skills angle of uh, just learning radio and learning how to do that. And, and be a local news um, contributor among some of the most experienced reporters I've ever and editors I've ever worked with. And now you are back at uh, Montana Free Press in Helena. And tell us about the issues that you're particularly interested in. What's your what's your beat? So I've always been interested in health and human services reporting, maybe not surprisingly, given sure. that that's my, my parents' background and kind of what I the the shop talk that I grew up around, so to speak. But I think in Montana, that can look like so many different things because those are issues that overlap with all of these different systems. So I've been doing a lot of COVID reporting, um, but then also doing different different looks at Montana's mental health care systems or the lack thereof in some in some situations, the gaps in systems that people are trying to plug and different ideas that they have for fixing them. So it really spans <laughs> spans quite a few different topics. And then, of course, as you know, a lot of people might expect it's difficult to be a reporter in Helena and not get pulled into political news, especially with new administrations and the recent 2020 election and the legislative session. So um, I definitely have my fair share of political reporting. That's just part of my my daily life too. Yeah. And so that's maybe a great moment to pivot the conversation to shared state, this amazing uh, collaboration. Let's start there. Like how did this kind of collaboration among the many amazing public media outlets, uh, nonprofit media outlets in in the state of Montana come together? So I came on to Montana Free Press in May of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty soon we had the primary that just landed, you know, in, in the middle of the news cycle. And after the primary in June, we were looking at all of these candidates and listening to all of the the talking points that they were giving about why they were going to be the best candidate for their office um, for the state of Montana. And for so many of them, they they kind of came back around to this, this refrain about Montana values and how they would be the best candidate to support Montana values. And it just kind of felt like we were in this moment of needing to step back and question that premise a little mm. bit. Like, what are what are Montana values? But also, why is that such a 
relied upon phrase for politicians who are trying to communicate to Montanans, right? Trying to communicate to their constituents. So I kind of got this, this idea in my brain that we could have an opportunity if we worked with our you know, independent um, nonprofit media partners who also got to make creative work like us, we could step back and question that premise a little yeah, bit yeah. and not not take the bait um, of just assuming, sure, like you have an idea of Montana values that's true for you. So we we started having these conversations about broadening our election coverage to be a little bit more narrative focused, to be um, an audio project that got to tell stories about the political moment that we were in, in Montana in 2020. And through a lot of conversations with uh, Montana Public Radio and, and Yellowstone Public Radio, we started thinking about how we could dig into the idea of Montana values and what people, what issues Montanans care about outside of such a, a polarized black and white kind of lens. And that's really the whole idea behind Shared State is just not starting from the presumption that everything is automatically polarized, right. looking at the issue first and looking at the history of the issue first to try to see if we can just get into the nuance and get into the gray area first instead of a this side or that's, that side, this party or that party focus. So it was actually Corin Cates Carney who came up with the idea for the first season to look at the Montana Constitution as a, a framework for what what are Montana values. So we based the whole season kind of around the, the themes and the values that are laid out in the preamble to the Constitution mm-hmm. as a way to, to try to understand what Montanans care about. And that brought us all the way up to election season. And then after that, we were all sucked into the legislative session pretty quickly. So we kind of had to step back from the project and just focus on the fire hose of political right. news, news that was coming out. Yep. Yeah. And so here you are, you know, season two just released so it's, and folks can binge it because I saw all seven episodes, right? Dropped just today that we're recording. Eight episodes. Eight yeah. episodes. Okay. Sorry, I miscounted. <laughs> I mean, okay. season two is fantastic. I encourage uh, folks to well, I'm not going to say listen right now. Maybe finish this this show and then and then head <laughs> over to Shared State. But but anyway, the the second season, as as amazing a conceit as Montana values were for season one, this notion of thorny political quagmires for season two mm-hmm. is really powerful. And and and, and I think it, it kind of like does a similar it does a similar work of framing issues as not necessarily automatically black or white or polarizing. So. I mean, they're, they're certainly polarizing, but it's not automatically black or white. Tell us about season two and how you arrived at that idea. Yeah. So I remember this this meeting that we had uh, in the spring of 2021 after the legislative session was was wrapping up. And it was a bunch of, you know, team members from our three organizations who were on that call hashing out just what we were observing in the political moment. And everyone sounded so... I think I think this is okay for me to say. Everyone sounded so tired. Mm. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't think that that was just because we had just come off the legislative session. It seemed like uh, so many people who are covering news for a living were looking at the politics of our of the political moment that we were in and just feeling exhausted because there was so much um this feeling of stuckness of so many issues that people were just their heels were dug in. They were looking at each other from across some kind of barrier and just either yelling at each other or feeling so tired that they were throwing up their hands and everybody was walking away instead of being able to have some other kind of interaction around a political issue. 
we started trying to explore that a little bit and see how we could create a series that was listenable. Like it, it wasn't just negative and sad and um, depressing. Yeah, I mean the number of the number of story headlines I see in the media that sort of sort of are some variation of everything is terrible. Right. I mean, I don't the recall living ending. through a, a, a period of a couple of years where it's just like that. And I understand all the incentives in for-profit media to kind of drive that kind of storytelling. But yeah, this is a thankfully a departure from that. It's very accessible. That's. I'm glad to hear you say that. That was part of our motivation. We were thinking about the the tone and the the tenor of the political moment that we were all observing squared with just what we know to be true about our state and about the people that we've met in in this state, our neighbors, you know, legislators we've watched for decades. And I think that there was just kind of this feeling of like, like there are stories in Montana's history and in Montana's present that transcend this level of uh, partisanship and being shut off Mm -hmm. from one another. There are stories that just challenge that. And let's go find them. And weave them together to be our second season. So that was the idea. Yeah. So maybe let's dig into a, a couple of those stories. I and mean, we can talk about water, pandemic, Badger 2 medicine, conservation. Yeah. Wh- where should we start? What are some of the issues that just captivated you in this whole series? So originally, I, I think I was expecting that the stories that were going to come back to us were going to be a little bit more nitty gritty local disputes about, you know, neighbors who I had never heard of before, you know, like the school superintendent in Circle uh, having, you know, a debate with his school board back in the 90s. Right. Like I was imagining these really super local nitty gritty stories. And and really what we got more of was people coming with these these big sweeping problems and and debates that were just had had a type of longevity i guess mm-hmm. that had that have lasted for decades and it makes sense that reporters were bringing back those stories and they ended up being so rich and and exciting to dig into but some of them of course are about environmental themes some of them uh two of the episodes are about affordability and about figuring out where you can live in Montana these days when the cost of living is changing so much. We definitely knew that we had to hit on the pandemic and some of the culture wars that have come out of of COVID policies. Um, So those are just a brief sampling. (laughs) But uh, they they definitely are these big picture themes that are rooted in local communities and um, with real people who have been dealing with them for a long time. We'll be back to our conversation with Mara Silvers after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hi, this is Mike Morelli, Director of the Entertainment Management Program at the University of Montana, and you are listening to A New Angle. Hey, folks. Coming up on April 2nd is the next installment of the University of Montana's Presidential Lecture Series. At 7 p.m. at the University Center Theater, prize-winning journalist Elaine Weiss will talk about her recent book, The Women's Hour, The Great Fight to Win the Vote. For more information, visit www.umt.edu president. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with Mara Silvers of Montana Free Press about the current season of Shared State. 
Yeah, and maybe without giving too much away for listeners, can we dig into the the Badger Two Medicine? Um, yeah. Story. Yeah. Great episode. Uh, I mean, that episode does such a good job of kind of illustrating these complex issues where I learned so, so many layers to this that I hadn't considered before. Maybe uh, give set the stage for listeners on what to expect. Why is that issue particularly compelling and complicated? Yeah. Yeah, so that comes to us from reporter Aaron Bolton from mm-hmm. Montana Public Radio, and it was edited by Nikki Willette, who uh, used to be the news director at Yellowstone Public Radio and right. freelance w- with us on this project. So Aaron had had this story and um, this idea of saying, you know, the Badger 2 medicine has gone through so much political turmoil in the last couple of decades. And of course, because it's this incredibly beautiful, sacred area of wilderness, sacred to Blackfeet Nation, um, but also to so many um, conservationists and people who care about that ecosystem, Mm -hmm. uh, which is right next to Glacier National Park and uh, the Bob Marshall Wilderness. So Aaron knew that this was a really um, a hot button issue, I guess, kind of place. And he wanted to go back to understand where there had been agreement and, and coalescence around Um, how to protect the badger from oil leases, oil and gas leases, and then what happened since since that victory, so to speak, like the fight that um, so many people were involved in to get rid of the oil and gas leases on um, in the badger. And then what those stakeholders are trying to do to figure out the future of the place. And that's where the disagreement really starts to become clear. So one of the things that I loved about this episode is that Aaron was able to show he was able to show that there was both both things happening. There was yes. a period of a lot of agreement and a lot of shared values for, for how to protect this land. And then there has been, and as the episode we'll get into, a big shift, both politically and I think just in the, the opportunity of the moment that um, many members of Blackfeet Nation see right now before mm-hmm. them as as what they can do to advance their ownership of this track of land that used to be part of their boundaries. And so the reclaiming of that sovereignty really is is a big issue. It gets sort of gets catapulted through the social upheavals that we've experienced in summer 2020. And talk about some of the conflict between conservation interest. I mean, there's there's differences in how we approach conservation um, in general and in that area in particular that uh, – and, and then conservation, again, is, is, a, is a concept that's sort of antithetical to some um, indigenous belief systems. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a really messy, in a good way, issue. Yeah. One of the, I think, moments in that episode that just struck me so much was when we, Aaron and I, went up to Browning to interview several people for this episode. And uh, I was his, you know, kind of field producer, so to speak. And we interviewed a a lawyer and um, a tribal traditionalist in Browning named Joe McKay, who comes in in about the middle of the episode. And I remember sitting in that interview, just really having the sense that Joe was very firmly taking the perspective that he saw us bringing to the interview and just turning it like almost like you would a, a globe, right? Wow. You know, you, you you turn the globe and you see a completely different part that you hadn't seen before. Yeah. I will just say like for me personally, there are sometimes in interviews where you just sit back on your heels and you're like, I'm having my mind blown right now. Right. And it was it was a very humbling um, experience for me. And you can hear Joe, I won't give too much away, but you can hear Joe when he greets us and when he brought us into the, his house, 
he said, let's sit down and figure out what we're talking about. And it was it was a, a reframing of of the issue before we even really got into the subject matter. Uh-huh. And I think that I, I guess I'll just leave it there to say that he really represents um, a, a different way of looking at, at an issue that I think a lot of people might think that they already know the story about. And I really appreciate that he was able to do that. That is powerful. Uh, I often find that in these, you know, these interviews that I do for this show is like when somebody kind of rejects the premise yeah. of your question, it just sort of, it, it, it is kind of unsettling in the moment, but it is, it is the, the stuff of opening your mind to new ideas and new ways of thinking. Yeah. And I think. Yeah. It, I, it makes me think actually, when you say it that way, it makes me think of the way that we start the season uh, with political scientist um, and professor Jesse Benyon, mm-hmm. who is such a refreshing political analyst for me to listen to because she's, she's, I think, also used to looking at partisanship and then trying to figure out how to go a different way or at least how to approach an issue with like fresh eyes and, um, and fresh ears. She talks about welcoming her students into class into a new semester when she's teaching, um, I think, public administration, and how she just asks her students to consider being curious and humble and entering the conversation with humility first, and how that could help us get out of the preset uh, black or white way of thinking about something. And I think that whether or not we intentionally crafted it this way, we have a lot of people featured in these episodes who return us to that offer, I guess, again and again throughout their episodes and, and throughout the exploration of the issues that they they care about. Yeah. I mean, that was such a, a, an interesting choice. I'd love to hear kind of the your thoughts about how it came to be for episode mm-hmm. one, kind of focusing on this interaction between some locals in Livingston and Tucker Carlson and his daughter, I believe, who were you know, traveling through town to go on a fly fishing trip and they had a confrontation. And then in classic Montana style, the, the, the two folks sort of went off the grid for, yeah. for a while after that. On, into the um, literal river of no return wilderness, which <laughs> I just thought was such, and yeah, they did such return. a good detail. <laughs> so the, the thing there that's interesting is you, you, you have this series that is premised on the notion of these complicated issues with no clear sides. And then you introduce this character, Tucker Carlson, who's instantly polarizing to, to – you know, everybody kind of has an opinion about this guy, like him or you know, hate him or love him. Talk about that choice and and how it was a great vehicle for actually demonstrating some of the complexity here. This is Nick Mott's episode, who's my co-host in the season and and, and our editor and, and yeah. editor of of so many amazing Montana-based projects. Really, yes. um, in case you don't know, anybody who likes Montana-based podcasts usually has Nick Mott to thank in some capacity. <laughs> but so Nick brought this story about you know this flashpoint moment that people might have seen cross their social media feeds of like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. Montana man is trending on Twitter. He somebody got in a fight with Tucker Carlson in a fly shop in Livingston. What is happening? Like, <laughs> is this part of a fever dream? Like, what's going on? So people might have seen that and they might remember that. But Nick's story was really about what happened. After Afterwards, and what happened to that couple after they realized that they had become a political flashpoint, like they were now at the yes. center, they were in the eye of the storm. So I think a lot of people probably, like you mentioned, have really strong feelings about Tucker Carlson. They have strong feelings about Dan Bailey, the guy who who went up to him and started this confrontation in the fly shop. But I think that the episode, if, if you can bear with it, is really not about Tucker or Dan. <laughs> No, it's about no. 
everybody else who got sucked into this moment. And I think in the reactions to that video, just reified the incredible political divide and aggressive feeling of confrontation that's gripping so much of our politics these days. And it was the reaction to the thing that I think is really worth digging into. And there's a part of, again, kind of just going back to the wonders of audio and why audio is such an amazing medium. But there's a section of that episode that's a montage of news clips and political commentary that came out in response to that video created by our amazing producer and editor, Nikki Ouellette. And it just, I think, is a cacophony of feedback and political, you know, vitriol that uh, really came spewing out over the course of that becoming, you know, a, <laughs> becoming a, a thing that people were talking about. So I think that it's it's a story that helps us observe who we are right now in this moment. And yeah. it's about so yeah. many more people than Tucker or Dan. It's actually about us and psychologically what is going on with us in this moment. It is a, a, a look in the mirror and kind of a scary one at that. Right. In our, in our remaining time, Mara, I'd love to kind of hear some of the broader themes of this might be too optimistic a term but resolution like how do you think we find common ground on some mm. of these issues and and and, and maybe to tone down the tension that is so uh, vividly displayed in that mm -hmm. first episode you know sometimes i i feel more optimistic than other times as a reporter mm -hmm. and as somebody who's you know in this in this political ecosystem alongside everybody else. But I think that the offer that we're putting on the table here is a pretty simple one. And it's not something that is going to be any kind of a silver bullet or we're not going to wake up tomorrow and just be in a fundamentally different situation. But I, I think that what we're putting on the table is just this, the possibility of believing that the issue is more complicated. It always is. And there's history there. There's personal history there. There's communal history. There are wrinkles to this that you can't see from a 30,000-foot view. You have to get closer to it. And that's, I, I think, one of the beautiful parts of my job is just getting to do that with stories and with people. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's there's opportunity for all of us to do that. And it's hard. It's not to say that it's easy. It's it's a lot easier, I think, to look at something from a 30,000-foot view and just go with your gut reaction and go with that, that uh, whatever strong emotion that it sparks in you and then ride that wave, you know, as long as it can take you. I think the harder thing to do is to slow down, turn down, you know, the temperature um, on your own reactions to things and try to lead with a little bit more curiosity. And just speaking personally, I guess the moments when I feel most optimistic is when I do that. And the moments when I feel most pessimistic is when I let my emotions take me, you know, far, far away. Sure. Tell us, as we as we start to close here, where would you point people online to, to learn more about Shared State? Where would you want them to find it? This is a, a true, in every sense of the word, partnership between Yellowstone Public Radio, Montana Public Radio, and Montana Free Press. So you can find Shared State on any of our websites. You can also look on whatever your preferred podcast uh, platform is, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. 
And, you know, a lot of the people who are making uh, the show are online. We're on Twitter. People are talking about it there. So you can you can look us up on your social media platforms and, and have a have a public engagement with us around this. I'd love to hear feedback. I'd love to answer questions about why we went about things certain ways. And I think the reporters would as well. Mara, congratulations to you and your colleagues on the second season of Shared State. It is an achievement. And I encourage all of our listeners to uh, tune in right away. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. AJ Williams is our producer. BTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. And Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.